0: Hello and welcome to The Campaign Podcast. I am Gergit Deegan, Campaigns Creativity and Culture Editor. Today I'm joined by Maisie McCabe, our editor, and Gemma Charles, our deputy editor. Hello, TiVo. Hello. Hi. Hi. So today's discussion will be around some of the topics that popped up at the campaign breakfast briefing for the year ahead in London last week. It was the first time that we ran the event in person since 2020. So Maisie, as you hosted the whole event for us, uh, tell us a little bit about why we run the event and how it ties in with our latest issue.
1: So we're really lucky, campaign, to have um, a big. Conferences team who do a lot of our events and do a lot of the research and the picking of speakers and all the interacting with the speakers. This event is slightly different because it's sort of um, you know designed by the editorial team, so it's a bit different. It's nice because it's sort of, because the subject is so broad. The idea is to set the scene for the year ahead from all the different bits of the industry, um, and it ties into. A year ahead section see what we did there <laughs> in the magazine that actually gentleman was heavily involved in organizing and and devising um and so the idea is that it's like a live accompaniment to the mm. features in the magazine so we get some of the same people who've written essays for us about what they expect to see in the year ahead to do that in a live environment either as a presentation um we had donkey bullard speaking who's the chief creative officer at mullen low group UK and she also wrote in the magazine and then we also had some people on panels um who were also involved um so yeah Gemma did a lot of the hard work organizing (laughs) it was enjoyable but she was on holiday for <laughs> so well, the didn't, event itself, so, it the yeah, event. yeah. hopefully you were having croissants somewhere else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there were a lot of croissants there, weren't there on the day? Um, so on that point, as you talk about panels, let's uh, move on to one of the points uh, that the panel um, made. A panel made on the day was around morale. Um, this was one of the discussion points that came out of the agencies panel. So the year ahead for agencies, which um, I hosted and. Uh, we had Alex Best, who is the founder and CEO of Wonderhood Studios, um, Larissa Vince, uh, Chief Exec at TBWA London, and Anne Stagg, CEO of Dentsy's Merkel. Um, so on this, Larissa said that the biggest challenge she's facing this year is keeping up morale among staff working at her agency. So let's have a little listen to a clip before we go on to talk about that.
2: For me one of the biggest challenges is morale. And I think, in fact, on the last panel that came up um, because our people have been through a lot over the last few years. And, you know, most recessions sort of came post a relative period of um, of prosperity, whereas we've just effectively been through a recession. We've been through an incredibly difficult time, all of us, haven't we, with the pandemic and all of that fear and worry that that came about. So you, you really have to think a lot about your people and how you can try and help them um, continue to feel positive or continue to feel confident when they've already been through so much and they're reading headlines, not just campaign headlines, about how the world is ending and the environment is totally in terrible trouble and cost of living and all this kind of stuff, right? So, you know, no, 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 I know you haven't, I was joking. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think that's a particular challenge this time is what I would describe as the cumulative effect of things. And and as people businesses, all of our agencies are just entirely dependent on um, our people that's a a huge consideration and I think a really big challenge for us.
0: So is retaining talent...
2: It's not so much retaining it. And and weirdly, when you are in a recession, obviously the recruitment market tends to slow down again. And we've had such a sort of boom and bust, like there was nothing in COVID and then suddenly everyone moved. And I imagine this year, companies will probably be a bit more cautious about hiring, I think, particularly independent agencies, because if you're not sure what projects are going to come in, you can't hire people permanent. So it's not so much retention, it's more... um, People perform best when they're happy. Okay. So it, it's kind of, you know, how do you create a culture and environment where people can perform really brilliantly because they are feeling up and they are feeling confident and they are feeling happy?
0: So, Gemma, do you agree that people perform best when they're happy?
3: Yes, I do think a happy workforce is a productive one. I do have a little caveat, but I'll come back to that later. So agencies have definitely realised the need for their staff to be happy, which is why I think we've seen this sort of stepping up in terms of wellbeing policies. So last month, AMV introduced life changes, which I think was one that you drew my attention to, Gurgit, because it, it it does feel quite, you know, quite out there. there's a lot of there's a lot mm. of stuff in there that's really quite interesting. Mm. So I'm not going to list them all, but there's stuff like financial support towards egg freezing or fertility treatment, um, a subsidy for transgender staff towards their transition costs, um, relationship counselling, and even like paternity and also money for childcare. And there's a, there's a lot more. So, you know, when you see packages like this coming coming out, you do know that this has been the sort of happiness and being of staff is being put sort of front and centre. Um, you also had, you know, you've had things like us media doing um, something where they teach their, their staff how to do side hustles as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, you've. I think there is just happiness seems to be becoming more core to um, not just what employers want to do for their staff, but also staff expectations. So the days of managers sort of throwing things and being, <laughs> <laughs> being general bullies, I think it's not been stamped out. But it's becoming rarer, and I think it would be called out a bit more.
0: Definitely, yeah. people do talk about it being called out more. I think, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, just
3: if we just to time the whole year ahead thing as well. Um, the direct line marketer Mark Evans, who was also a panelist at our breakfast briefing and also wrote in our um, year ahead section, he's got a nice kind of line on it actually, which I'll read out, which is. Um, morale is as important as investing in brand. So double down on empathetic leadership. So, but my caveat is, is that I still think you you can't just be completely happy, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that there needs to be just this little bit of, um, you need to feel a bit of jeopardy, a bit of awareness that there are consequences for messing up or not working well. I'm not saying that you need stick, but I don't think it can be all 100% carrot either, but... You know, maybe I'm old fashioned.
0: I don't know, but you're not like, you're not hanging out with your family at home. You know, you are at work. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so exactly. Put, yeah. but, you know. That's
1: oh, my feeling. Yeah. Maisie, what are your thoughts? No, I mean, I think it's an interesting point. Actually, the issue of having whether people should be happy. And feel supported at work came up when I did the, I did a big feature on Mother I was going to say last year but 2021 mm. um, and um, Anna and Hermetti who obviously um, Anna and Hermetti Ballerin now coming back to the UK to run Widens um were at the creatives. time as creative directors yeah. sorry um and so they were at the time about to leave mother london to go to wadden kennedy in portland and they were talking about how they had fostered this um you know much more kind of nurturing kind of environment in the mother creative department and yeah it was that sort of idea particularly in a creative pursuit you're not going to come up with your best ideas if you're feeling under pressure and, um, and you know, I think there's a lot, I've got a lot of time for that idea. The kind of counter view, which I did pick up from some other people, was that you need a bit of, I think the suggestion was that you need a little bit of, whether it's fear or jealousy or, or kind of competition sometimes to spur you on to do that extra bit of hard work. Um, and an agency like Mother, particularly, say, 15 years ago, the reason that creative department, you know, came out with so many um, bangers was because they all worked really hard. Mm. Um, And so it is quite hard. It's something that I've thought about quite a lot because there've been, I've also had discussions with people about that, and it came up actually on stage between Alex and Larissa was um, Fallon in its heyday as well was, you know, I wasn't around at the time, so I'm just repeating what I'd heard, but you know, it, it did, come across as quite a kind of macho I think relatively kind of competitive and aggressive culture for the people yeah. working there yeah um and so I find it so interesting like obviously we all want to believe and hope and uh, that you can have a, a nurturing and caring environment and also produce every, you know your best work mm-hmm. um but I think I agree with you Gemma that there's sort of they you can't we all need direction and feedback to do our jobs better, yeah. and there has to be a mechanism with which to to deliver that in a sensitive and supportive way. Yeah. And like you say, there need to be there has to be repercussions if if things aren't aren't done or met. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in a you know in a dramatic fashion, but you know people need to know what's expected of them. And I think sometimes we can you know get a little bit idealistic, I suppose. Mm. And, and we have to remember I wrote this column last year, which was. You know, am I the asshole if I don't want to go to the office? And it's that sort of idea of, like, just because it's right for me doesn't mean necessarily it's right for my colleagues and doesn't necessarily mean it's right for my employer. Um, And I think it is quite complicated. So Larissa said um,
0: around feeling positive and confident. um, How would you suggest agencies help people continue to feel positive and confident?
1: i not sure I have the answer. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Could she tell sure. me when she finds out? <laughs> I'm not sure anybody has the answer. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. regular communication. Yeah. yeah. Time out the office together. Yeah. You know, feedback, you know, celebrating the wins, mm. I suppose. Um but
3: yeah, I think it's, 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 I'm it sure is, it's
1: hard. It's, it's difficult, it really is. Mm, yeah. Definitely. So Maisie, you had mentioned
0: earlier the breakfast briefing event tied in with the latest issue of Campaign. And Gemma, you interviewed Larissa and Alex uh, for a piece in the magazine, and along with Bill Scott, who's chief exec of Droga5 London and managing director at Accenture Song UK and Ireland and Chris Kay, who's chief exec of Saatchi and Saatchi London, and publicist, Communications UK. So what was uh, one of the main points that came out of that debate? Yeah, so it
3: was a really entertaining um, 40 minutes spent with the four leaders on a video call. And um, we kicked off with a chat about the ad industry's view of itself and how there's, and they all sort of agreed, how there's this sort of general lack of confidence displayed by Adland in itself and how it's time to get its swagger back. It was a theme they kept returning to, so it was clearly something that was on their minds. So um, just bear in mind that when you listen to the clip, it was recorded in November. So when they're talking about um, next year, they, they mean the year that we're in, just, just a little point there.
0: As you say, here's a clip then.
3: Is there a need for um, agencies to have a bit more confidence in what they actually do and talk themselves up rather than do do themselves down. So Larissa, I'm going to come to you first on that. So give us your opinion in terms of the background.
2: Well, uh, this sort of came into my mind actually, because two things happened in relatively quick succession that made me think this and the first was, I was talking to a friend of mine, a personal friend, who's a CEO of a company, and he had recently gone through uh, a pitch to find an agency. And obviously, in his position, he hears pictures from people from all sorts of I- industries and categories, not just ours. And he said it was the only sector he'd ever come across where people would stand up in front of him and start a presentation by explaining how most advertising doesn't work. But don't worry, we do. Ours does. And he just said he found it very, um, as a non-marketer, he found it very almost the opposite of the intent. So he didn't find it reassuring. It just made him think, well, why am I hmm. in this meeting? <laughs> if if most of, of, of this sort of stuff doesn't work. And then around about the same time, I was in um, an IPA meeting, and it was one of those where uh, this, I think the subject was, why is advertising not a attractive career for young people? And there was the sort of usual self-flagellation about how, you know, oh, it's terrible, no one wants to work for us, they'd much rather go and work for Google. And then I asked a young person, a young woman, actually, who worked at Pablo... To give her perspective and she said I don't know what you're all talking about I think it's brilliant my friends are all jealous and I, I honestly don't understand this at all <laughs> and it just made me think those two things together why why aren't we more positive as a group I mean about mm. what we do and sometimes I do sort of hear and read quite a lot about you know us almost um apologizing for ourselves one way or another so yeah I I really feel like we as a group uh, of of businesses mm. um can and should be more confident. And actually, I'd even like to, you know, I like calling out other agencies' work that I think is good. I don't think it just needs to be about our own work. I think we can all together stand a bit taller and and make a sort of case for everything that we all do.
3: Okay. Chris, what do you think about that, making a case for um, the industry?
4: Totally agree. I think the industry's fully lost its confidence I'm probably the only person that's been out of a country for the last 10, 12 years out of this group because I know some of you have been here a little bit longer than I. And coming back, it just doesn't feel we have that confidence in our capabilities. Uh, mm. And if you put that at a time that the UK seems to be losing its confidence, it's like a double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and that's usually when our industry actually turns up, when the rest of culture is losing its edge that's usually our role. So I, I agree with you because I, I think as we look into next year, and if you want to get all datary about it, UK consumer confidence at an all-time low, uh, officers' of national statistics is saying our GDP is growing at a lower level, then that is a moment that we should be coming out with work that makes our industry proud again. It's a moment that we should be doing work that shapes our clients' businesses. And Larissa, like you say, I... I I, I couldn't do anything more than to try and get in this industry when I was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see people doing that as much. Mm-hmm. And I would love our business to have the the confidence and the energy that I think it had when we were role entering because of the output that it did and the way that the the world and the country talked about our work.
5: Mm-hmm. I definitely, yeah, I definitely think. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I think there's definitely been A lack of confidence when the amount of channels have expanded so i remember chris when we were at fallon back in the day it was big film and maybe a bit print and now it's you know multiple channels across multiple things and i i think there's so much bandwidth to cover i think that confidence because you've only got two weeks and the limited time on the project you may not be as confident on all those channels which i think you know clients pick up on um so I think that has definitely been an issue or something I've observed where, you know, in the past, you know, it was TV ad. you know, where it was going to go. You were very confident. You were very focused on that. And now you're on multiple channels. I know we are doing that in the past as well, but I do think it's harder. Mm.
3: Mm. <clears throat> Bill, can I bring you in,
5: Bill? Uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll pick up on that point. I agree with everything saying. I think we've really gone into, as an industry, we've been quite defensive, I suppose. You know, I suppose maybe through... Pandemic and COVID, and all the kind of commercial Mm -hmm. pressures. And, you know, it's the the usual comes the the, the old cliches of the race to the bottom in terms of eight agencies pitching for one client business, you know, and we get very defensive rather than, um, uh, we've got to rediscover our swagger a bit, I think, Mm -hmm. especially as you're to your point, Chris, around going into pretty dark times. This is when usually, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? And this is where we should be shining what we do best.
2: the, the the you know the recession. I mean, I find it so interesting that for some reason, marketing data seems to be the only data that no one ever really listens to. You know, there's so much data out there that shows that if you invest in a brand during recession, you will survive mm. much better than anyone else. Mm. And yet, still, you know, I can't imagine a CFO saying, "Oh, well, I'm not going to follow the data on how to mm. run my business from a financial point of view." And yes, they will well, say yeah. that that actually they're not, they're not going to do this. And I don't think we're pushy enough about it sometimes mm. or, or I love perhaps your, pushy is not the right word
4: i love your i, I think you're I, I love your swagger thing bill because mm. uh, it's really interesting larissa you you look back at <clears throat> just to date nearly all of us probably on this call you look back at the last recession 2008 2009 i i wrote a piece a bit ago that looked at all the work that came out after that period and if you look at the work that came out, and, in, and I've got a, a list of a couple here, you know, Crispin Porter did the Domino's Pizza Tracker. Mm. Fallon did the Cabri Gorilla. Mm. Uh, Tourism Queensland did the best job in the world. TB, TBWA Hunt Lescaris in South Africa did the trillion-dollar campaign. And the list goes on and on and on. Mm. And those are all, if you, if, you, if you feel going into this moment that it's tough, History shows that actually if you put the swagger in, like Bill says, you Mm. can put amazing things out there in the world that absolutely shape business and our industry and allow us to bring the confidence back.
5: And ironically, to Alex's point, arguably the canvas for creativity has never been bigger. Mm. Across more channels, across more, the whole surface area of what we can be doing now, um, ever more so than just the traditional channels.
0: So Gemma, does the industry need to rediscover its swagger, as Bill suggested in that clip? Yeah,
3: I mean, I basically agree with that point. Um, and also, Larissa's pointed out that if everyone in Adland is busy apologising for Adland's perceived faults, then if they're not making the case, who's gonna? <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it is. It is. I think it's really important to, like, you know, sing their praises. Um, themselves and it was something and it's it's it feels like a bit of a theme as well because um, well he's the outgoing president I suppose um, Julian Douglas um, Dougie to most people he picked up on this during his presidency uh, tenure as well and um, called for the industry to sort of bang the drum for its um, ability to find creative solutions to problems so you know anything we can do on campaign to help with that as well I'm sure that we we'll, we will we'll be winning cuz it's it's just dumb isn't it be <laughs> weird you, you know you you have got to sell you've got to sell yourself nobody else will
0: yeah i mean as people i mean i, I, I hate selling myself <laughs> it's really awkward isn't it but no as an industry it we've got to kind of yeah and campaign as the I'd say leading trade title, um, should, yeah, definitely help kind of
1: push the industry. Um, Maisie, what what are your thoughts about this? Well, there's a really interesting point Larissa made in the in the conversation, which was, I think there's been this rhetoric around, you know, talent for a few, you know, quite a few years now, and this idea that we're not getting the right talent, everyone wants to work for tech companies that young people don't want to be um, what go into advertising anymore and obviously concurrent to that is the issue around making sure we've got diverse talent and we keep it and it's an inclusive and equitable environment um, but La Redusa described going to sort of one of her more junior colleagues to ask them and you know what her, their friends think of the ad industry and her job and she was like oh they think it's amazing like you know <laughs> and it, sort of your assumption is oh yeah young people don't want to do this anymore but actually sometimes when you speak you know you speak to young people people. (laughs) let's let's speak to the people we're talking about um, uh, so I thought that was a nice little anecdote because you know often and there is definitely work to be done as I said in terms of broadening the types of people coming into the industry but um, but it was a nice kind of yeah idea that actually you know it's it's still seen as a cool and interesting job
0: definitely is. I think it is.
1: (laughs) So another session at the breakfast
0: briefing, uh, Maisie, you hosted a panel session. It was called The Year Ahead for Brands, How Marketers Are Coping in a High Inflation Market. The panel of marketers were um, Mark Evans, well, I suppose he's former managing director marketing and yeah, i think it was
1: the day of like portfolio of his, lifestyle that's right. <laughs> that's right yeah so <laughs> Looked, you know, happy and free <laughs> and <back>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh,
0: yeah so the former managing director marketing and digital at direct line group Visha Kudail, director of business marketing across EMEA at Pinterest and Gemma Flanagan who is marketing director for Cadbury brand equity, UK and Ireland at Mondelez. Maisie uh, asked them about the long-standing debate around brand versus performance. Let's hear what the panel had to say.
6: For us, I think the performance element of it is, it's a bit less relevant because we don't sell a lot direct to consumer. Um, we do do a bit, um, but it's quite limited. So in the kind of really um, sort of traditional, typical definition of it, not so much. Um, we think of it more in terms of long-term and short-term uh, marketing investments, so we would uh, have we have a balance and, and we'll continue to have a balance in terms of what we put into the long-term stuff that convinces people, uh, you know, keeps your um, mental availability uh, up there and things. Um, with the activations that we do, which are more short-term driving, typically around innovation or campaigns that are designed to get people into store in a much shorter time period, that's more relevant for our, for our point of view in terms of short and long-term, which, which we have a balance of which
7: we'll continue to do into this year. Okay. And Mark, you obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, I mean, the conversation about performance marketing versus brand marketing—I'm not saying we're all bored of it, because—but <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's I, peren- I
1: appreciate the feedback on my head. It's a, it's, husband, a it's
7: a perennial one, but I and and, it, and it's sort of you know this is like in some people sort of see it as like Star Wars, it's you know the, the good side and the bad side, and, and of course it's the long and the short of it. If you go back and nobody's you
1: know, de- Darth Vader. And
7: so it is the balance of the two, and it's very uh, contextual. So I mean, if I take from where I was before, Churchill was 100% brand advertising. It was just to build a brand, you know, dogs on skateboards, who'd have thought, because all the <laughs> conversion work is done in a price comparison website. Different for direct line because it's a direct brand. Uh, but, but I actually think what gets missed from this conversation is that it's all about trust. And um, the CMO needs to be trusted by the CFO and the CEO to be able to make a case for long-term brand building brand advertising I think I think most reasonably enlightened CEOs certainly understand that if you don't invest in a brand you won't have a business in five years time. Um, but in the short-term pressures when CEO tenure is about three years and CMO tenure is about 18 months, you know that can all get washed away and forgotten but the highly trusted CMO, gets to make that case is in the room to make that case on the
1: board I suppose yeah or
7: on the board to make that case and 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 has the opportunity to make the case for that for that balance whatever it is you know whether it's 60 40 or 70 30 in financial services or in in some scale ups you know clearly it's going to be more of a 90 10 but in all cases there is a balance to be had to, for all the reasons Gemma mentioned about bring, building mental availability and top of mind awareness so that you you know you've got a, the, the widest funnel top of funnel
6: be sure, do you have anything to comment on? Um, yeah, so I won't get into like short term <laughs> versus long term either, but I think it's really important. And it's a really important question to ask, especially when people are planning for a recession, they go into protection mode and they're thinking about how do we keep our keep the lights on, how do we protect our staff and things like that. So the natural reaction is oh, let's put everything into short term so that we can like hit our quotas. But really, they both work hand in hand and it depends on the, the objectives of your campaign ultimately of what you use and so there's not an equal there's not a ratio there's not a a, an equal balance there's um just making really strategic decisions based on what you need to achieve um so we use both um and we'll continue to use um both and you know to your point about the the cfo and the cmo it's really important for people to understand that we need to have a CMO on the board to be able to make that case because the CFO is not a marketer and they won't really get it. Um And I hope my no, CFO never hears that ever. Um, Again, ask a question. But it's it's also really important to make sure you have data analysts in your team and that can actually do the maths for you and make sure that you're actually being able to share that insight too. So it's not vanity metrics that you need to just address. It's like the revenue metrics, the shifting perce- perceptions for obviously, um, an online platform like us it's incremental um, now so that's monthly active users so how are we growing engagement that's the stuff that people really need to care about so um, it's having the right people in your team to be able to help you make build that story I guess so Maisie Mark made a point there about trust and that
0: CEOs and CFOs need to have trust in the CMO would you agree
1: yeah, absolutely, and probably even more than trust, you know, proper respect. I guess for what they bring, there's this idea of marketing always being seen as a a cost rather than an investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that relationship, having that tight relationship between those three disciplines, is is really important, particularly when you've got kind of a you know difficult economic environment behind you.
0: Mm-hmm. Gemma, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, sort of marketers
3: standing within their businesses a kind of perennial debate. Um, The fact that it's more often the CFO that gets promoted into the CEO rather than the CMO does tell you something. Mm. Um, But, you know, more and more marketers are popping up on board and the evolution of the roles that we've seen in recent times, you know, that of the chief customer officer. So someone who's responsible for the entire customer journey shows that they are beginning to be seen as trusted and like valuable um, senior leader members. So... You know, I think I think it's moving in the right direction for them. That, and hopefully, nobody will mention the colouring in department ever. <laughs> ever.
1: Well, the marketing <laughs> society does some good work in that in this area as well. I think it's a bit of a focus that sort of CMO to CEO um, progression.
3: Yeah, it does happen, and it it should happen more as we have this sort of new breed of these sort of chief customer officers who have already got that sort of. Um, souped up kind of uh, responsibility
0: okay so that brings us to a close about the breakfast briefing Maisie would you like to just round up on how on how you think the event went for us
1: yeah it was um it was really went really well thanks so it was um uh, sort of brought to the audience in partnership with Merkel, our sponsor so thanks very much to them everyone seemed to enjoy it i know that sounds ridiculous but you know sometimes conferences can be a bit serious but i sort of picked a selection of images for linkedin and everyone was laughing in them so i <laughs> thought that was nice i mean you know like there's some serious conversations um you know it's 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 going to be a difficult year there's lots of challenges i would hope and i mean this seriously if anyone has any negative feedback i am here for it um but everyone you know the audience seems to have a good time we was only on the day of a train strike um but you know it was still successful so um yeah i hope next year we'll see even more people particularly from creative agencies
0: Okay, so let's move on to the final part of today's podcast. We're going to review some of the latest work. First up, we've got British Airways Holidays, Take Your Holiday Seriously by Uncommon Creative Studio. It's a series of three 30-second films that show a woman on holiday who's angry about the number of people... Who work when they are also on holiday. So Uncommon don't provide creative credits. The production company was anonymous content, um, but they didn't name a director for this work. Here's a clip.
6: I'm fuming. Over a third of us Brits have responded to work emails on holiday. When science
0: says not taking time off
6: could literally
2: kill us sooner. Take your holiday as seriously as British Airways holidays take your holiday.
6: Their 24 hour helpline, carefully chosen hotels and generous baggage allowance help you relax. Rejuvenate and stay much less dead for much much longer.
1: So Maisie, are you guilty of working on holiday? If I'm honest, I was terrible last year. I'm usually really good. I'm really really usually pretty good. Like when I've got like a week or longer off, I'm usually have really good boundaries. But last year I was terrible. So that's one of my, You know, New Year twenty twenty three is going to be different. I'm definitely going to be firmer with myself. Mm, yeah. it's a good you life, just really yeah. need to switch off. It's like it makes no sense. Um, but unfortunately, last year my holidays coincided with our print deadlines. Almost every time. So, <laughs> why <When laughs> don't we find out practical. the deadlines now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew them already. It was just life got in the way. Um. Um, so yeah, so yeah, hold me to that.
3: Gemma, what did you think of the work? Um. I love the strategy and I really am against working on holiday and I think it's a good thing to make an enemy of. Um, I kind of found found the the woman, the protagonist, rather scary. (laughs) (laughs) And I just wonder if her scariness um, and the sort of hammy acting to a certain extent distracts from noticing the relaxing luxury setting of, of the holiday itself. Um, but you yeah. know what? It's disruptive and different. So, let me just give some credit to to BA and Uncommon for trying something different. Um, there's also a set of outdoor ads which play the whole um out of office, uh thing, which is they're, they're pretty nice. I I actually thought they worked better at um conveying like the escapism of the holidays. So I, I thought so too.
0: Yeah, I quite liked those outdoor. It's, it's fun language. Um, the the films, I, th- I think I agree with you, in, um, but I like to look around kind of, oh, I suppose it's, I watch ads more than once, obviously, but I like to look at the background and like see what other things are going on. But yeah, if you see it in, in one, it probably does distract. Um, I did find them a little bit comical. The one where she's shouting no, that made me laugh. Yeah, um, yeah. Is
3: that the first one with the? She the, the phone that. in into the um, the lovely picture? Is it a lovely picture of water? Cocktail or, oh, is I it water? Think, I think water. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's water. Actually, yeah. that, that I, I did like that one. Actually, that's probably my favourite. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, that's the, the 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 hero of the of the third of the three thirty second ads. Maisie, what are your thoughts?
1: I thought the art direction was good. You obviously, had a little bit of the kind of white lotus in it um i don't know whether that's the closest i'm going to get to luxury hotels soon but um maybe (laughs) maybe that's why it's on my mind um i you know i think i probably agree a little bit with you jebba in terms of the one woman's delivery i wonder if it um you know how the ads might have played if they if she had a slightly different tone i suppose um you know it's it's an interesting you know i mean the worst thing everyone always says is um, you know Dave Trot everyone, that, you know, the worst thing is to be ignored. I'm sure they've been noticed. Um, as you say, the billboard, um, I love seeing a new ad in Catford Bridge Station um, <laughs> of a Monday morning. So that um, that's always nice to see a, a big big new ad in situ, um, unprompted. Uh, it, I'm interested in how they sit with the kind of broader BA, kind of business and comms strategy and um you know and how they interact with the experience of ba mm-hmm. um but i'm sure obviously there's lots of um bright strategists not least lucy uncommon so i'm sure there's lots of work being done there
0: indeed so next up we have cadbury garage by vccp london a young woman comes across low in mood while working late at a petrol station a man buys her a bar of dairy milk and walks away and then the viewer finds out that it's her dad The work was created by Simon Connor and Steve Cross and directed by Steve Rogers through Some Such. Let's have a listen.
4: You got there?
5: Love you, Dad.
4: There's a glass and a half in everyone.
1: Maisie, what did you make of the work? So Steve Rogers is obviously a great director and there's kind of, I like the fact that it's quite pared back and the pacing is quite slow and that they haven't put kind of music over the top of it. I think those little craft bits are, are really impressive. I struggled, unfortunately, as a woman with a middle-aged man evidently about to buy some chocolate for a young woman who was working on her own late at night. Mm-hmm. And so when the payoff happened, I wasn't like, oh, cute, it's her dad. I was like, oh, thank God it wasn't about <laughs> sexual harassment. <laughs> uh, yes. And and so that's going to colour my subsequent viewing of the ad. Um, but I'm going to watch it a bit more um, before, you know, and, and see if my mind changes. Um, But it just, um, for me, that kind of issue of, you know, that image of a young woman working on her own at petrol station in the night, being constantly chatted up by men is going to be relatively hard to shake, I think, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I mean, it came across to me as the woman. She's she's a young woman and just generally just a bit of a teenager and, and, and quite moody but yes there are kind of slight vibes of awkwardness I think perhaps maybe it was a bit too long and yeah um, it's
1: just it left me with too many questions because then I was like are they estranged are they happy is she just having a bad day like is he a cheat did he you know like it was like what's gone on like or is she just I think probably what was your view was that she was just like you know grumpy yeah. Teenager, and like you know, God, my children think I'm embarrassing already, so Jesus knows what it'll be like. And your t-
0: children are young, yeah, yes. yes. in 10, 15 years. Yes. So,
1: um, you know, so I it, it just left it sort of I felt like it, it was making my brain to do too much work,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Gemma, what did you make of it?
3: Yeah, not not quite as strongly against as Maisie, um, and it's something I can imagine a dad doing. And it does continue their sort of gifting theme, though I would argue that um, some of the earlier ones, like where uh, the kids throw the um, Cadbury dairy milk over the fence to the old guy. Yeah. Is a much sort of nicer. That was quite sweet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they, what was, there was another one as well they did before that. The child playing with the buttons in the shop. Yeah, she was so mm. cute. Yeah, mm. yeah. She was buying her mum the um, the chocolate. Yeah, bit.
3: yeah. So I, I don't think it's necessarily the strongest in that sort of canon. And I, and I did find it a bit, I found it a bit long as well. But um, yeah, I, I guess I did have those questions about why was she so sullen? She was very <laughs> I mean, sullen, yeah. She was really like, when you see your dad, why would you... Yeah, have they fallen out? What's going on? And then then she did like perk up though when he bought her the chocolate. So yeah, maybe, maybe that maybe they were making up, I don't know. But um my my sort of broader point and perhaps there are people in, you know, Cadbury's marketing that would would, would have an answer for this, but for me, does anybody really fancy a massive bar of dairy milk at the moment? <laughs> I mean, I for me, I'm sort of still finishing my Christmas jockeys. Same here, yeah. And so the idea of buying a lot of chocolate, a big bar of chocolate, seems not something that I would do. Not a behaviour that I would would do, really. I if it's and then the other to thing to see is,
1: through the screen.
3: Well, yeah, that's probably it. But then the other <laughs> the other thing is is that a lot of people are also kind of cutting back as well. If they're not finishing their Christmas chocolates, they're actually on a diet trying, or on something. a diet or on a health kick. On so, a health, yeah. I suppose so yeah, that. so I just find the timing a bit weird. But may, maybe there's some data that says. You know, throughout January, people just want to inhale Cadbury Dairy Milk. I
1: don't know. I did that one Jai January. It wouldn't be advised. <laughs> oh, well, you you just went for all the chocolate. I just ate loads of chocolate instead of put away. weight. The yeah, it was oh, right. not, the not, not sensible. You stopped those, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to have a glass of wine, so I'll just drink. <laughs> I'll just eat just a eat. bar of chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not sensible. <laughs> was it that big, though? Was it the, <laughs> it probably the giant that one every day? We could get through uh, probably a, a bar half that size easily. Uh, yeah. while watching you
0: know like oh, oh god yes it's so easy to yeah yeah i agree. i easily do that yeah so finally we have the Saatchi and Saatchi London ad um investing in creativity isn't double maths this was a tactical ad in yeah. response to prime minister Rishi Sunak's announcement to introduce compulsory maths for all pupils in England until the age of 18 so he announced this last week um and the Satchi's ad came out pretty s- Pretty fast afterwards, so quick turnaround. Um, Sarah Heavens and Rodrigo Castellari were the creatives behind the work.
1: Um, Maisie, should we ask you what uh, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean what I love about this is just the kind of the speed and agility it shows. Um, you know, they obviously had a a conversation. And made it happen. They've got a chief production officer on the board, Jessica Ringshaw. And I think they just, as a management team, decided to go for it, made it happen. Um, Chris Kay, obviously, who we mentioned earlier has got huge ambitions for Saatchi and Saatchi. He sort of wants it to be the most creative company, I think, in the country, not the most creative agency. And, um, you know, showing leadership in this way, I think, is really great.
0: Mm, agreed.
1: Gemma,
3: what
0: are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of nice topical work and it's kind of a smart way to push their Upriser educational platform as well. And it sort of shows there's a sort of authenticity and they've got an authority to actually... Pitch into this subject. So, yes, um,
0: yes. good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just, um, he seemed It's back. not just bandwagoning yeah, for the it. sake yeah, of it.
3: There's a, there's a, they, they're invested in this um, debate. So
0: Yeah, yeah and well. they have been for a while. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Nice to end on a high. So, thank you. Um, it's we... easier when there's no clients.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, the, 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 the sign off process is basically Chris Kay, isn't it? So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay that is all we have uh, time for today uh thank you Maisie and thank you Gemma um if you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing today please visit our website campaignlive.co.uk details of our subscriptions are also available on our site it's campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership If you enjoyed this episode of the campaign podcast, please follow us, like us, leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. A big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager Nav Pal and Editorial Assistant Sean Thurgood and also our producer Lindsay Riley from Rethink Audio. Also to you for listening. I hope you will join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye.